Bible says, what? You know, there are scriptures in the Bible that sometimes when you first read them can be a little bit hard to understand. Well, today, you're going to get to hear uh, from a gentleman that has been a part of our church for many years. He's been very loyal, faithful. He's planted uh, probably over 35 churches in the Philippines. Uh, they have a feeding ministry both here and in uh, the Philippines, and he's our newest pastor, uh, a, a part of our church. And I just want you to give a big, warm welcome to Pastor Wilmer Hagelin today. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Pastor Tad. Well, it is a privilege to stand before you this afternoon. And I just want to thank my fellow staff here at Eastside City Church for the assistance and the help that they have given me prior to today. And so as Pastor Tad already mentioned, this afternoon we are going to continue our series on the Bible says what? And today's scripture reading is found in chapter 6 of John. John chapter 6, it's one of the chapters in the Bible where it has a lot of scriptures. But before we go to the scriptures, I want to share with you a few things about John chapter 6. Throughout John chapter 6, Jesus keeps making references to eternal life, coming through his flesh and blood. In this chapter, Jesus is establishing himself as the Jewish Messiah, but he is also establishing what that means. For the Jews, they had no understanding of a dying Messiah. They were not expecting someone to come and die for their sins, but someone to come and live and bring, their and bring them independence from Roman occupation. Because during that time, the land of Palestine was occupied by the Romans. So Jesus is bringing them an understanding of who and what the Messiah really is, according to God's plan. He is not a military or political leader. He is a spiritual leader who came to address the spiritual problems with Israel and the world. Salvation for the world was his purpose. In explaining who the Messiah is and what his purpose is, Jesus makes clear that salvation comes through him alone as the Messiah and that one must partake in his body and blood to find salvation. And so let me now walk you through the scriptures. Jesus makes... Let, let me now walk you through the scriptures. We will read a few scriptures before we go to our text today, which is found in verses 51 to 59. We begin by, read, by reading verse 1. And so if you have your Bibles with you, please join with me in John chapter 6. We will start in verse 1. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs. But let me stop there. Notice a huge crowd is following Jesus. These are not followers of Jesus. These are not believers of Jesus. These are crowds. These are just spectators wanting to see him perform more miracles before them. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. And in the following verses, we read that Jesus had performed a great miracle of feeding 5,000 men, not including women and children, with five loaves and two fishes. Actually, this is the only miracle that was recorded in the four Gospels in the New Testament. 
Some of those who had witnessed this miracle even desired to take Jesus by force to make him their king. Let's go to verse 14. When the, when the, when the people saw him do these miraculous signs, they exclaimed, Surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. One of my observations in this passage is they called him the prophet, not the Savior and the Messiah. The Jewish people are not convinced that he is the Messiah that will come to save them from their sins. And so they just call him the prophet. And so when Jesus saw that they were reading, that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. I like the parallel scriptures in the book of Matthew and Mark. Because in the book of Matthew and Mark, the Bible states that Jesus went up to pray. Jesus' life, my brothers and sisters in Christ, we will see here that Jesus' life is characterized by prayer. Though he is busy performing miracles, traveling to villages, preaching the gospel, healing the sick, but he still took time to pray because he knew the importance of prayer. And so, as believers of the Lord Jesus Christ, if our Lord prayed, we ought also to pray. It has been said that prayer is the most preached, but the least practiced teaching in the Bible. How true that is. How true that is. We are longing for revival. We have been longing for God to move in our midst. But if we are not going to pray, revival will not come. Revival will not come. And so whenever, I encourage you that whenever our church doors are open for prayer, let us, let us all come for prayer. Let us cry out to God and watch what God will do in our, in our midst. Let us continue. And so the next day after performing these miracles, the next day, the people were looking for Jesus. And in verse 24, if you notice, we're jumping from verse to verse because there's a lot of verses. So we're just, I just pick a few that will bring us to where we are going today. And that's in verse 51. And so when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look, to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? And what's Jesus' answer in verse 26? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. Jesus knew their hearts. Jesus knew the hearts of the people. He knew that these crowds of people were seeking him with wrong motives. Notice they're just crowds. They're just spectators. They did not come because they sincerely wanted to believe in him or to know him personally, but for what he can do for them. And in verse 31, Jesus goes on to say, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. And so from this statement, Jesus is trying to draw the people to himself. And in the following verses prior to verse 51, Jesus repeatedly offers himself as the spiritual food that gives eternal life and eternal satisfaction to all who eat. Actually, he said, I am the bread that comes from heaven. I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me will never be hungry again, and whoever will believe in me will never be thirsty. And now we're going to our text in verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever, and this bread which I will offer so the world may live is my flesh. Then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man, notice they call him man now, a while ago he's a rabbi. <laughs> yeah. 
They said, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? See, the Jews took him literally. They didn't discern that Jesus was, to, was talking figuratively. But Jesus never backed down from his discourse, remember? He's in the synagogue during this time. And he's the one who's talking. He didn't back down. Rather than softening the analogy so as to be less offensive, Jesus goes on to be more offensive. He changes the bread analogy to his flesh. And in a statement that would have grossed out just about every Jew, he added that not only did they need to eat his flesh, but also they needed to drink his blood. In verse 53, excuse me. I need to drink. In verse 53, so Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. Amazing. But anyone who eats my flesh and and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. And I'm going to share with you a little bit more about that later on, about that particular passage. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. He said, I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, but will live forever. And in verse 59, he said, these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Today's Today's passages of scripture is challenging. It is very challenging. Jesus repeatedly tells the people, the listeners, the crowd, that they need to eat his flesh and drink his blood in order for for them to have eternal life. The passage is difficult in two ways. First, it is difficult to understand as it it requires unpacking a a figure of speech, a metaphor, tongue twisting. And secondly, it's difficult to accept. But what Jesus said here may sound offensive to everyone who heard it. How can anyone tell others to eat his flesh and drink his blood? It sounds gross and even cannibalistic. (laughs) These statements about eating Christ's flesh and drinking his blood is not only offensive, but blasphemous to the Jewish hearers. He was saying that in order for them to find eternal life, they needed to do something forbidden by the scriptures, and that is eat flesh and drink blood. The law of Moses didn't allow for the drinking of the blood, or eating of meat with blood in it. We can read that in Leviticus chapter 7. But the words eat and drink here are not meant to be understood in a literal sense, but in a spiritual sense. But before we go, let's read the people's reaction upon hearing Jesus' words. In verse 60, many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? And this is the disciples now saying, it's a hard saying. Actually, In the King James Version, New King James Version, it says, this is a hard saying, who can understand it? And in verse 66, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. In another translation, it says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. They stopped following him because they were were offended at him for what he said as he teaches in the synagogues, that they need to eat his flesh and drink his blood in order to have eternal life. 
And so what does it mean, really? What does it really mean to eat the flesh and drink the blood of Christ? It means coming to Christ and believing for Him for eternal life. To take Him into our lives by faith. To receive Him into ourselves. Such as, such as that it is His life that is being lived through us. It also means believing on His death on the cross. That He died for us by shedding His blood to pay for the penalty of our sins. Actually, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse, verse 22, that without the shedding of the blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Apart from Jesus' sacrificial death, he cannot, be the bread that gives, he cannot be the bread that gives eternal life to us. So to have eternal life, you must eat Jesus' flesh and drink his blood, which means to believe in him personally. And so from Jesus' statements as he teaches in the synagogue, he established himself as the Messiah. That salvation cannot be found in the Jewish religion or any religion of the world. Nor salvation is found by following a religious figure. In Acts 4.12, he said, There is no salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Unless we eat Jesus' flesh and drink his blood, we will not have eternal life. Actually, in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but by through me. What actually he's saying is, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you cannot go to the Father. You cannot have eternal life. And so why is it important for people to receive Jesus by faith in their lives? The Bible says that we are all sinners. In, John, in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for everyone has sinned, we all, we all fall short of God's glorious standards. And in the same chapter, in Romans chapter 3, in, and in verse 10, the Bible says, no one is righteous, not even one. And our sin separates us from God. A holy God cannot fellowship with a sinful man. And the Bible states in Ezekiel chapter 18, verse, verse 20, that the soul that sins, it shall die. And in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the Bible says that the penalty of sin is death. And both the prophet Ezekiel and the apostle Paul is not talking about physical death, which is separation from our loved ones, but they are talking about spiritual death, which is eternal separation from God, the creator of heaven and earth. But, but God, who is loving and rich in mercy, gave us his son, the bread from heaven, so that if we eat his flesh, and drink his blood, meaning to receive him by faith in our lives, we will be reconciled to God. We will have eternal life. Excuse me. And lastly, I mentioned about a while ago about verse 56 that we're going back to it. I will be talking now about the believers of the Lord Jesus Christ for us as Christians. In verse 56, it says, Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. In the New King James Version, it says, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As believers of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is very, very important to abide in him daily. Abiding in him is not just coming to church on Sundays. Abiding in him is living every day for him. Abiding in Christ is keeping in fellowship with Christ so that his life can work in and through us to produce fruit. Actually, in John, in John chapter 15, Jesus talks about abiding. He said that those who abide in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, we are nothing. We can do nothing and we will not bear fruit. And so there are a lot of ways on how we can abide 
with Christ or in Christ. But I just wrote a couple in my notes because oh, for the sake of time. And so, how can we abide in Him? Number one is, to abide in Jesus, we need to love Him. Pastor Peter talked about that last Sunday, about loving Christ. Because you cannot abide with someone whom you do not love. And in this case, we need to, we need to love Jesus in order for us to abide in Jesus. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, the Bible says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the most important commandment, a command that is at the very heart of Christianity. And what does loving God really mean? Loving God means totally surrendering our lives, ourselves to Him. Heart, soul, and mind represents the whole person. And the scripture that we read said that we must love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. Actually, the Greek word for love that is mentioned in this scripture is the word agapao, which means to totally give over ourselves over to something, a total commitment of our wills and our lives to something, and in this case, to God. Loving God means no longer living for ourselves. And the Apostle Paul put, puts it this way in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He said, I am cruci crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ lives in me, and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Our love for God must take priority over everything else. God deserves all of our time. We are, we are to put God before everything else. Let me ask you this. Do you love God? You don't have to raise your hands. If you love God, you need to abide in him. You need to remain in him. You need to love him. Secondly, keeping and obeying the truths of God's words. This is how we can abide in him also. Keeping of God's commandments is a central theme throughout the scriptures. Why? Why do we need to keep the truth of God's words? Because the truth of God's words changes us. It transforms us. Once you have the truth, it fills you with a fire for God and a love for the living God. It always leads to obedience. It always leads to a transformed life. Truth always expresses itself in transformation. Let me read a couple of scriptures in 1 John. The first is in chapter 2, verse 3. And we can be sure that we know, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. And in 1 John chapter 3, verse 24, those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship, abides in fellowship with him, and he with them. And so, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, as we close, we now understand that eating of Jesus' flesh and drinking of, of his blood means coming to him by faith, receiving him in our lives, living for him, loving him, and abiding in him. Let's close this moment with a prayer. Praise the Lord. It's a backup. I use up the mic, the battery. Okay, let's close this moment with a prayer while every heads are bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you are here today for the first time or maybe you've been coming to church regularly. But my question is, do you know Jesus, the bread of life, in a personal way? Have you eaten the flesh of Jesus Christ and drink his blood in a spiritual sense? In other words, do you have Christ in you right now? Have you received him into your heart and life? 
If not, will you come to Jesus? Jesus loves you. And it is He who brought you here because He wants you to hear His love for you through His words. And today is the day that you need to give your life to the Lord. You can come to Him right now. The Bible says that to anyone that comes to Jesus, He will in no wise cast out. And so, may I invite you to pray with me the following prayer. Though I will be leading you in prayer, but make this prayer as your own prayer. Let's say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I am almost lost without you. I believe that you died and rose again so I could be made right with God. I now ask you to come into my life and be my Savior and Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your forgiveness and grace. Amen. If you pray that prayer for the first time, may I ask you to please talk to one of the leaders after the service because we want to be a guide or a help for you as you start your walk with Jesus. Amen. Today we are also going to do communion. Jesus instituted communion sometime after the events of John chapter 6, the scripture that we just read. He gave his disciples the bread to represent his body and the cup and the cup to represent his blood. His body was broken and his precious blood was shed on the cross to pay for the penalty of our sins. The scripture that we're going to read today for communion is in Luke chapter 22 verse 19 to 20. The Bible says he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And in verse 20, after supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. While the emblems are being distributed, let us focus on Christ. The psalmist said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. The Lord said, And know my thoughts. Let us recommit our lives to the Lord. We heard today that He is the bread of life, and that if we partake of Him, we will no more hunger nor thirst. broken for you. Let's partake. 
blood of Christ shed for you. Let's partake together. Thank you, Lord. Father, we worship you. We adore you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father in heaven, we thank you for your presence in this place today. We thank you for your words, Father God, that we have heard today, that you have spoken to us. Father, I pray that you help us live for you a life that is pleasing unto you, that each day we will be reminded that Jesus, his flesh and his blood were given to us for our salvation, for eternal life. And so, Father God, help us, help us, help us even to abide in you each day and to pray just like Jesus did. Thank you, Father. Thank you. I ask you to bless each one in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for coming today. Thank you for listening. May God bless you, and we'll see you again next Sunday.